Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts. Listen Notes FM and Player FM. And we are now Wednesdays at 10 a.m. on the Indie Rap Radio, exclusively Indie, Indie Rap Radio, 10 a.m., Wednesday at 10 a.m. So check it out. And also right here on Block Talk Radio, as always, uh, your host, Oscar Lopez, here. And we are going to have a great show today, 260 uh, in the house. We have the legendary pioneer, Jody Redlander of the Minnesota Vixen. She'll be joining us here in a couple minutes to talk about the WFA 2019 season, Minnesota Vixen, and uh, the Players Advisory Council that the WFA has set up for this coming season. We're also going to be diving into the Alliance of American Football Week 1. A lot of excitement. Uh, A lot of fans really diving into it. Um, The hits were awesome. And so uh, a lot of fanatics starting to build up on that. So if you don't have a favorite team yet, uh, there is an opportunity for you to dive into one of those teams. Uh, we were exclusively uh, keeping an eye on the uh, Arizona Hotshots uh, because Jennifer King of the Carolina Phoenix and um, WFA, IWFL All-Star, and then uh, Coach Lou Locust of the Iron, Birmingham Iron, and, of course, uh, Jen Welter of the Atlanta Legends. And we'll be talking uh, AAF uh, Week 1 as we come into the uh, hour here. We'll be joined today by Luis Bean in about an hour. Uh, we will not have Troy Wilson, Mackenzie Brooks, or Holly Custis tonight, but uh, it will be myself and uh, Jody. And then after that, it'll be Luis finishing up the uh, two-hour slate of the Gridiron Blitz. Um, a lot of action happened overseas. Uh, the Gridiron West Bowl, uh, West Bowl Two, happened in uh, Perth as the Battle of the City of Perth. Perth Broncos taking on Perth Blitz and uh, Nicole Harvey and company out there looking for their second championship. And it was not to be uh, the Perth Blitz fall 20 to six as the Perth Broncos get revenge from West Bowl one, which was really exciting. And if you missed it to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Cridiron Beauties, and you can watch it via YouTube. Very exciting game. Uh, West Bowl two, now belongs to Perth Broncos, and West Bowl 1 belonged to the Blitz. In a very competitive uh, Gridiron West Women's League this season, very competitive matchups, very few blowouts, uh, very contested at this point. And so uh, going into Season 3, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, Hats off to the Rottenham Vipers, who had a great season from start to finish, and all of a sudden they could not finish it strong. So the last three games of the season, they could not muster a win. And in the most crucial semifinal, they also could not muster a win. So uh, just as something to build on for next year. But Gridiron uh, West in Australia looking strong. Very good leadership there. And hopefully they can keep it up. But uh, two years in a row, this has been an exciting league to watch and to cover as the uh, Perth Broncos now your 2019 West Bowl 220 to 6 
Uh, we also had action over in Baffa Women, the Baffa Women uh, Sapphire Series. That was going on this weekend as well. And we want to thank uh, Double Coverage for doing an amazing job of keeping up with everything that's going on in the U.K. This is an exciting tournament, uh, and uh, you cannot miss it. There's a lot of happening here. Week four already in the books. It was a great weekend of action across all three tournaments taking place uh, in uh, the Sapphire Series. The East Kilbride Pirates earned their second win of the year, picking up a victory over Derby Braves, while the Edinburgh Wolves uh, really took a win away from uh, Leeds in a uh, nail-biting um, matchup in Division One North. And in Division Two, uh, Division One South, the health uh, headline fixture was obviously Birmingham Lions, the champions, as they move ahead of the pack as they took control of the second half uh, versus the London Warriors. The, the teams neck and neck through the first period. Meanwhile, in Division Two, getting more interesting as results were all flipped from the team's last meetings, the Cheshire Bears, in particular, leaving, uh, having a dominant day, winning both of their games, and meaning all three teams are currently tied up at 2-2 two, two records ahead of their third tournament in, in uh, coming up. Once again, uh, baller Robin Stewart, uh, assisted by Maria Peters and Sealine Bison have worked with teams across the uh, Britball Nation to put together this, uh, the recap that double, uh, double coverage does. So congratulations and uh, thanks to them for doing this amazing, uh, uh, you know, um, reporting. With the, uh, with by Edinburgh, uh, the full slate of teams in the north on the weekend was Derby Braves uh, coming up, uh, but having to because of injuries the last tournament they couldn't field it up. So the four fixtures included a fairly predictable first round as the top two teams in the North on uh, outfits they'd already beaten comfortably this season. Edinburgh Wolves faced off against the East Kilbride Pirates, and the Wolves were clearly hungrier. And so uh, Edinburgh, really good really good team so far coming into play. We had good runs by uh, Riot, allowed Edinburgh to keep the ball moving. Uh, many defenders missed tackles, while safeties by Duchesne and Bell added more points to the board as the East Kilbride Pirates often struggled to get out of their own half. Uh, with impressive coverage from Diggin, Connell, Gunn, uh, McCollop, and Hunter halting the Pirates' attempt at a passing game, while the defensive line of Lomax, Bell, and Allen kept up the pressure play all day, having opened up a 32-0 to lead at the half. The Wolves run away comfortably with a 48-0 to shutout. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, Defending one North champions, Leeds Chargers, were taking on the Derby Braves for the first time this season. The two teams had missed their first potential meeting in week three. And so um, the Chargers continued the dominance, racking up 40-0 to zero scoreline. Notably, uh, however, the Chargers' uh, lowest scoring win of the season so far. So the second round brought the much juicier matchup, obviously. It was the Pirates taking on the Braves, hungry for a second seven-a-side victory in club history and the two undefeated programs spread off for their positioning uh, in the standings. For East Kilbride, much like it had been against the Titans the week before, it was a game where things just seemed to click as they put in strong showings in all phases of their game, and the uh, Pirates finished their series on a high win, potentially securing a third-place finish in the North. So uh, pretty exciting times, like I said, in Sapphire, and we're looking forward to that, as well as Birmingham, uh, Birmingham Lions, but in Division One South, uh, the defending champions, 
the Birmingham Lions played host to the fourth outing of Division One South, and after the last two tournaments found themselves a team short following the withdrawal of the Dreadnoughts. It was great to see a full field of four contenders. It was Hertzshire uh, Tornadoes, Sandwell Steelers, and the London Warriors obviously coming in to play in the event. Host uh, Birmingham made short work of Hertzshire uh, uh, on pitch one, looking dominant in all phases of the game. Meanwhile, the impressive-looking London Warriors took on Sandsill Steelers, and the Warriors keeping the Warriors to a much more modest 20 points on offense. So we did have coverage um, via a lot of contributors. So Jody Davies photography was one of them as well on scene. And we have others uh, on the scene as well. So um, Sapphire series is really, really good. Alliance um, win 44-27, team their dominance right now in Baffle women. And that's pretty uh, impressive so far. The Lions B team, not as well as the A team, but that was expected. And unfortunately, um, it's year one for them, so they should get better at this point. So the final scores uh, over in Birmingham, it was Birmingham Lions 56-0 over Hertfordshire Tornadoes, London Warriors 28-0 against Sandfield Steelers, um, Hertfordshire Tornadoes 13-2 over San, uh, Sandwell Steelers, and then Birmingham 44-27 versus the London Warriors. In Division Two North, Cheshire Bears shared much reports from their superb second outing of the series. The second set of fixtures in Division Two making it apparent that this is easily the most hotly contested uh, conference in Sapphire this winter. Uh, it was Cheshire uh, Bears versus Teesside Steelers. Offensively, uh, the Bears uh, really good all the way around. Uh, some fantastic running by running back Helena Loxo Smith that stopped it into short. And rookie Hannah Roberts as well as quarterback Rack uh, Broadhurst to wide receiver Natalie Kelly. So a little bit of, of a good outing there. And there is some uh, coverage from photos by Furphy as well. So that also helps out with the recap there. Shishar uh, Bears versus the Birmingham B Lions team. Uh, Bears defense kept it pretty tight on, uh, on D-line Georgia Woods. And so, but the they come away with a win. And the results are basically uh, – Cheshire Bears 46 to 28 over Birmingham B Lions. The Teesside Steelers faced the B Lions as well, and so the competition, like I said, is going to be pretty pretty tight as we go into Week Five and ends up in March as well. So that's one of those matchups that you're that we're looking forward to as well. Uh, the other ones is LFB Week One Legend Style, and that happens in Cancun. You can get the rundown and everything that's happening there. And thanks to coverage by a lot of folks out there in Cancun that are networking with us, RCN Sports, Diagonal, uh, Deportes, Quintana Roo, Where to Go Playa, and as well as, of course, LFB doing Facebook Live as well on on the uh, broadcast on Facebook Live. So it was really good action happening as well. And then we can't forget in Texas, this past weekend, it was the Extreme Female Football League from Texas. There was a lot of action happening there as the champions, uh, South Texas Generals, 25-13, take care, takes care of Kingsville Empire. Then the uh, Corpus Christi Divas, 20-12 over the Loretto um, Lady Warhawks. And then it was the Lady Spartans getting beat 55-0 to zero by the Sirens. So this coming up weekend, Power rankings in um, the Extreme Football League in Texas 
Obviously, the generals are up at the at the top. Sirens, second, Cobras, Divas, Empire, Warhawks, and Spartans. And that's a really awesome job that they're doing out there in Texas. And so rivalry this week is week two. Rivalry of the week will go to in Laredo, Texas, as the Laredo Warhawks will look to bounce back after taking a loss in a close battle against the Divas. And so uh, it will, they will face, obviously, the champion South Texas Generals as well. Uh, FFX Mexico master, uh, Masters will start this spring, coming up in March. That was announced by FFX this week. We also have FXL versus MIFA, legend-style play at the South Beach Bowl. And we'll get details as it comes uh, this weekend. And then uh, we're also going to get dive into FEFA Spain uh, and later in the hour on the 7 on 7 and 999 recaps as well for those leagues. And then French the French league as well, as we tally up those uh, next next uh, podcasts as well. If you have any comments, uh, if you want to make a, a tweet us or anything like that, you can tweet us at Gridiron Beauty on Facebook. You can always go to the hub at the facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. So uh, big news happening there. And we have one friendly that was announced this week. Uh, this just uh, came in this weekend. La Fai Bajo in Mexico will be taking on UFAN. And it's going to be friendly bowl uh, this coming week, 15th through the 17th. It will be a basically a friendly uh, bowl to decide who and what and how well are they going to be tuned up for the third national championship in the Mexican national tournament. So we'll see how that works out for them. Congratulations to the award winners over in the Czech Republic, uh, Rada uh, Dablablova and Asbeta uh, Nekasova and Nika Vorkakova, uh, all those ladies out there, awesome ballers over with the Czech League. So we really, really shout out to them for doing a fantastic job this season in 2019. So let's uh, dive into the huddle uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And you can, guys can go to Zazzle every day, check it out, support the uh, awareness project, and so use the special codes up to 15% off. And you can uh, subscribe to Zazzle Black for about $10. And in the U.S., you get free shipping all year long for about $10. So it's a great deal. Check out our new stuff that's coming up in March here. Get the old stuff that is really uh, always on display. No joke football shirt, silver and black. And we got a bunch of other stuff that you can check out there. Hoodies, uh, leggings, as well as uh, just regular T-shirts. So check it out. Use the code. Save money. Help, out, help us out with the project. So let's go into the huddle. Like I said, sponsored by Zazzle.com, and we are going to be joined today by the legendary and pioneer uh, Jody Redlander of the Minnesota Vixen. Uh, Jody, how's it going? Hey, Oscar. It's great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. How are you doing today? You know, doing great. Uh, we are uh, practicing tonight, so I stepped out uh, to talk to you for a little bit, and everyone's super excited. We just got our offensive versus defensive primary assignment so everyone's very excited about that oh that's awesome um kind of a shake up in the wfa jody um a lot of changes and then we add the wnfc to the bowl mix you know what i mean just kind of fluctuate all that so very exciting times sure, and then yeah. you got tony harris and you got uh sam gordon in the promos during the super bowl so a lot of stuff happening in the women's game in terms of just bringing attention. 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm a big fan of any women's football player and, and team and league. And so anything that gets us, gets the word out there, um, because in the end, hopefully we'll have a professional league where we don't have to pay to play. And whoever, I don't, I don't want to say that whoever gets us there first, but someone's going to be first and whoever is first will set the bar for the rest of us to follow. So I'm super excited to see all of the attention that we're getting, um, all of the retweets and people knowing who Sam Gordon was in that commercial, um, Sarah Thomas as well. Um, that was that was just really awesome to, to watch that. Jody, uh, pretty exciting uh, AAF debut. Uh, every, all of us yeah. are obviously keeping an eye on it because we have, you know, Jennifer King, you got Jen Walter, and you got uh, Coach uh, Lou Locust out there. But it was pretty awesome football. I mean, sort of like NFL with a little college feel in a way. And I think everybody kind of like, uh, I guess you've you got to be more excited defensively that you don't get a penalty if you just crush the quarterback and bounce his head off. <laughs> as a linebacker, <laughs> absolutely that makes me excited, yes. Um, no, what I thought was great is that the AAF remembered that F is for football and not uh, frivolity. Um, something that the XFL never really remembered when they were uh, when they were in business, and I know they're coming back next year, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, I think that it was a great opening weekend. Um, the broadcasts were solid. You know, nothing 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 spectacular, but I think that's what they were going for. You know, here's a football product that is recognizable as football. They changed some of the rules. You know, I but I didn't think the rule changes took anything away from the game. Um, it was really interesting to see that kickoff, um, the, the non-kickoff, if you will, and it was really interesting to see some of the, um, the, the different ways that you can play football and still have it be recognizable as football. Yeah, and, and the good thing was it was kind of like something you wanted to go watch. In other words, you're, like, you're interested and you kind of had that. And the, the kind of a bombshell that everybody threw, uh, tweeted out there was, that it beat the uh, NBA, which was the Thunders and, and Thunder and Rockets, 0.1 to 2.0, which it wasn't a big, you know, <laughs> edge. But I guess it's something to brag about if you're a new league, you know what I mean? We just beat the NBA in viewership. So that was really good in that sense. Oh, um, totally. Trent Richardson shows up from nowhere. <laughs> and you're like, I, we used to know this guy. That was my feel. Right. I was like, hey, we know well, that guy. What happened to him? <laughs> Right. You know, and so I think that's um, going to be one of the great um, human interest stories of the AAS is both uh, former um, NFL guys who still have, maybe have it, um, but, you know, not to the NFL level and some, some new guys where you can say, hey, that guy deserves a shot. Um, you know, we were it was pleasantly uh, it was a pleasant surprise to see Kurt Warner in the announcer's booth um, pregame and some of those, uh, you know, some of that real talent that they didn't really treat this like a second tier league they said okay we're going to put a product out there and we're going to staff it like it's a real thing so that that was that was cool and it's got some great minds behind it too you know the Eversol family and Bill Polian and some of those um, uh, um, what's his name um, my great Steve Spurrier yeah Steve Spurrier Mike Singletary you've got you know you've got some names out there that people are like oh yeah um, unfortunately it looks like Mike Singletary might be uh, continuing his uh, 49er coaching ways, but no, so that, uh, that that remains to be seen. So, it's, so you uh, you observed you observed that too that the Memphis Express yeah. wasn't really expressive. 
No, they were they were sort of in the slow lane. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it's it's, just, it's a lot. It's, it's the season that is pretty young, and and they have time. So. All right, um, Jody, let's get back. Let's get down to business then. Let's like, quit mucking around with this AAF. What, who cares about that? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, so you know what? Uh, kind of a shuffle. Uh, a lot of things happen, obviously, in every off seasons, and I've I've been covering you know women's football for ten years now. But every season is a shuffle, you know what I mean? Teams come and go, they switch leagues, all that stuff. But it's been sort yeah. of stable the last three years in a lot of ways, where we're not, like, dropping in anything like that. But, we, you know, we're staying somewhat consistent. So we have the slam returning in your region, right? Yeah. And then we have this Iowa yeah. Phoenix, right, coming up. You had the Dragons yep. prior to that. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of competition. Then you always have your, you know, your, your, your clashes with the Titans. So your schedule yeah. looks somewhat uh, competitive in a way. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. you, got this, you got your old school uh, St. Louis and Kansas City's back, which are very challenging. Yeah. And then you got I have no idea what Iowa is going to bring because they're the former crush, but we have no idea what you know how they're going to re you know come up to play. Um, yeah, impossible. The to Dragons me. much improved probably for se- season two, considering what they've done in year one. So mm-hmm. this this whole you know, this whole schedule for you guys looks something of a challenge, in other words. Yeah, no, we are super excited. Um, between the new head coach and um, a couple of his assistants, um, the new defensive coordinator as well, we're all uh, we're, we're very focused on putting in these playbooks and schemes and understanding um, the adjustments. Uh, we're super excited to, to see how it stacks up against, uh, as you say, our, some of our traditional rivals in Kansas City. And uh, some and some uh, looking for some new talent. You know, I I know that we tried real hard to get Mile High Blaze on our schedule somehow, um, because that if there's anything that we want the Vixen wants to do for the sport, it's to um, get the good teams playing each other and bring other teams along as we all get better, right? You know, someday a Division Three team shouldn't should want to be a Division Two team or a Division One team. You you shouldn't be complacent. With, uh, with where you are. I'll, I'll always strive to get better. Now, the ending in Atlanta wasn't as what you guys wanted, but it was a great season to the end. Uh, New York obviously gets the win. So uh, how do we yeah. rebound from that this year and kind of refocus on returning there? Well, you know, a lot of us, uh, you know, that the, the first time we played New York in the playoffs, uh, more of a storybook ending for us with that 6-6 uh, in double overtime to send us to the championship. Um, I think what we've done now is we've been to a championship-level game three times. Um, we've been to the Founders Bowl and the championship in the NFL. We've been to the championship in, in Division Two in WMA. So we're looking to finally get there and, and hoist that trophy. Um, I think even for those of us who've been there before, there was a, a feeling of... Uh, of, uh, of nervousness. Um, I mean, some people would say that if you don't feel nervous, you shouldn't play anymore because you that little edge. But I think for some of us, uh, the new league, new, new, um, new league structure to play in. So we're just looking to, to take a deep breath and say new year, new focus. And we have a mouthpiece with a lot of new players too. So we're looking to say, uh, what, what does this year bring? Because uh, we know everyone else doing the same thing. So, new year, new outlook, 
and we'll see we'll see where it goes. Uh, hopefully, we end up uh, with a different result, same game, different result from last year. Yeah, it looks like the schedule is something like I said, uh, sort of competitive. So we're looking at you know yeah. we, we don't know what the slam looks like because they took a year off, but they've always been you know able to kind of be top notch when they come yeah. and rebound. Mm-hmm. So. And I know some of their players were playing on Kansas City last year, so it's not like they missed out on yep. how to play. So it's really, right. a, like you said, a numbers game with certain teams. So uh, we'll see how that turns out, but always a threat there. And so the schedule really mm-hmm. is going to be competitive. D2, very competitive. Gwynn over in Denver seems to be hungry to be at your stage. <laughs> so that shows kind of promise. Yes. He's been you know, very hard on advertising, very hard on recruiting. Uh, you know, just uh, I have no idea. Uh, when she got four uh, four and all, I was like, "What? What's going on here?" This was like, <laughs> "What is? What does she have that nobody else has?" You know, is it is it some sort of a commission incentive or what kind of program is she got out there that everybody yeah, wants I to mean, go to I, Denver? I don't know. Um, I I think um, I think she's got a great program, obviously, or or, or they wouldn't have made the choice to go there. You know, Brooke uh, Leaps from Kansas City also headed that direction. Um, but uh, uh, it all made, the 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 devil's in the details, right? So you got you got great players. Mm-hmm. Can those great players come together and put their ego aside, so to speak, and and cohere themselves into a solid team? Because um, the best teams, you know, have that unity aspect, um, the, where we're all for one and one for all, and that's when you have to find. And I think it's great to attract talent. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic when you can have superstars um, on your roster. But sometimes um, you can depend too much on uh, one aspect, and you have to remember to be balanced. And sometimes that um, it can hurt you as much as it can help you. Now, um, Jody, the WNFC, a lot of fanfare. You got a lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on, Adidas, two-year contract. You know, I mean, just just a lot of things are happening in that. We haven't played it down, so that's number one right off the bat. We haven't played it down, but we got all this excitement coming behind it, right? You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, it's we haven't yeah. we haven't got to the dance basically. It's kind of like the prom. We're just getting excited, <laughs> fixing all that stuff, and then hopefully we get to the prom. Um, but it's yeah. been kind of a nice change in terms for the women's game in terms of awareness because it's like. We have two competitive uh, two competitive leagues now, uh, kind of like uh, uh, elevating their game. You know, you have the WFA, who's obviously been a staple for for ten years, and now all of a sudden we have this brand new branding with a certain select teams, obviously from the you know, best of the West mm-hmm. branching out, and then San Diego coming back. So we all the teams in the WNFC, I think, really are top notch in in a, in a sense, given some of the you know, some of the franchises obviously that uh, were not known, but what mm-hmm. did you, what do you think so far of this partnership? You think this is just, it's got to be good in a sense, because if Adidas is trusting uh, a brand for it, hopefully, like I was mentioning in the previous podcast, really the pressure now is on them to kind of deliver on a product, on a product that's going to be competitive. Right. And I think you've hit the nail on the head, Oscar. It's it's all in the does the partnership end up being good for Adidas as well as the you know, it's a two way street. It's um I think it's nothing but good for the sport. I think a big name like Adidas is behind um a league is fantastic. Um I hope that the 
see, you know, no one outside of the WNC of the, the sponsorship um, or even have a legal structure, which is fine. It's proprietary. But I think um, a lot of people are watching, and I will be super excited to see it take off and be successful because what that means is maybe then we finally have true unity in sports. Um, but, but also competition breeds greatness, right? I mean, it was awesome for the WFA to be strong and big, but maybe we got too um, comfortable in a way. Maybe, maybe we thought, well, okay, this is working closely, so we'll just kind of coast a little bit. And I think um, I've seen the WNFC's um, announcement and buzz. I, I, I think I've seen that sort of wake up some people um, in their approach towards um, the WFA's marketing and sponsorship. So, again, competition only breeds greatness, um, and hopefully we can all rise to the rising tide with sell ships, as they say. Jody, um, there's always been international interest in players coming over. Uh, we probably have never covered it, as far as I'm, you know, as mm. far as I know, for ten years, there, there has never been any type of buzz for it. But it just yeah. seems like this year, uh, the last two years, uh, we have had an influx of young ladies coming from overseas to try to get on a, you know, either a WFA team or now obviously a WNFC team. And we've had those mm-hmm. players in every team, I think, in the past. But we just haven't spotlighted them in a notable way. Um, but, you know, given the success of the Vancouver tournament at the IFAB World Championships, I think yeah. a lot of the players that, that went there uh, sort of understood, okay, um, I, I play in my own league in my own country, but it's, it's not the best of the best, in other words. And now I think right. they feel like the branding, you know, the WFA, for example, you know, 10 years strong, over 80 teams. And all of a sudden now you get this buzz for this brand new, you know, WNFC and then you get Adidas. And I think really that's sort of like making people go, Hey, I need to go to America to, you know, to just hone my skills and be a better athlete in the sport. And I think that's where you get, you know, Seattle, for example, taking on two Aussies, uh, a British uh, Gabby, uh, Gabby Knobs out there. And then you got obviously the, the bombshell last week of, the you know top the top French uh, player Sylvie Abeck who also played over in um, I believe in Finland um, so there's a lot of interest and then you got um, Ruth Mata who's coming over to the Boston Renegades uh, I just it just means like you know a lot of the overseas players really see the fact that they got to come here to make a name for themselves or to even elevate their play. Yeah, I mean, think about the WNBA and the way a lot of those players go to Europe for the in the off season and play over there to keep their skills sharp and stuff. I I think it's just awesome that um, women's football in America has the reputation and is getting the the, the reputation overseas. Um, even the USA Football International games and, and um, all of those international experiences. The world, women's world football games—they um, are really showing, showcasing the American game for women, and I, I think it's awesome that um, some international players are trying to take advantage of, of uh, learning the game from uh, in, in its home country and trying to bring that back to their own uh, their own uh, their own organization. I remember when um, I was at the women's world football game uh, a couple of years ago, 
and the Russian coaches, literally, they were sponges. I mean, they had nothing much to get by um, and, and literally asking questions, just staring, absorbing everything. And it was so neat to see how uh, passionate they were about teaching their uh, players the, the nuances of the game, not just the regular, the basics of the game, but to really understand um, the game at a, at a very fundamental level. Now, uh, Jody, I've been networking for, what, almost uh, 10 years, roughly 10 years. I build solid yeah. relationships globally. And does it blow your mind that we have women's American football almost on every continent now? It totally blows. No, even in, yeah. even in an island in, even in an island in Guam, of all places. Yeah, you know what that tells me is that the the sport is something that's super accessible. I mean, yeah, you got to buy some equipment and you need a certain number of people to play. But you know, the Moroccans are out there on the beach playing seven on seven. And what it tells me is that we have ignited a passion within these women to say, here's a sport that I can do. Um, here's, here's a sport that I want to try. And they're out there and trying it. And it's just, it, I, I couldn't be happier to see the way it's taken off. Jody, Mexico's exploding up North. Uh, yeah. the woman, the, uh, the Western women's Canadian football league is exploding. Their branding is expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, you got, you know, the hotbed of central America this past year, uh, over in central America, uh, with a couple of our contacts, they're also, you know, a great season there in Costa Rica and then South America as well. Um, so there's a lot of excitement in terms of just gr- women wanting to sacrifice to play the sport. I think it's the unity part of the sport that brings people together because it is a, you know, unified sport. It is not one player and it takes 11 right. or seven or eight. And I think that, uh, entices a lot of players because it's sort of like a work environment in a way where you got to be cohesive and work together and for a result. So I really just, I think they dive into that more so than any other sport. Well, and it's, it's an easy entry point, like I said, right? I mean, you need all body types. You need all levels of speed and skill. Um, and so it's a place where you can come and be athletic and you don't have to be some sort of, you know, and clearly we have six foot plus Amazons playing the game, but you don't have to be that way. You can be very good as a 300 pound, five foot six offensive lineman. That's actually a really good offensive lineman. So it, it's just, there's parity. You don't have to be right. anything except wanting to play this game. And and it's just. We talked about, um, you know, Mexico big flag football haven uh and now they've also cut, you know they've also cut the bug because of their bronze winning uh national team and so yeah. you know Lizbeth Madrigan uh obviously signs with Atlanta this past weekend which was the first female coach with the first female staff coach down south mm-hmm. uh in Lafay which is really exciting and we talked to her about it and she was really excited and then we get to see her now uh, obviously, courtesy of Tony Fuller um, helping her out, get to see her now yeah. in the WNFC Atlanta Phoenix. So, you know, there's, like I said, there's the story of one player right there that has, you know, elevated the the sport in her country, 
uh, played on the national team as well. And sort of like the same concept that you have Welter and Bronson and everybody else that was on Team USA. Um, so now she's coming to try to test herself in, you know, what, what we would consider probably, you know, one or two of the highest leagues in America. And I think she's really excited from what, I, from what I've spoken to her about. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for it too. I mean, I I think it can only um, we can only learn from each other. You know, I'm sure she has things that um, that that they were doing in Mexico that we could learn from. Maybe she'll be able to learn a lot from us. Um, I I think um, what I what I find because you know they've been going what three four years um, earnestly in in the tackle football arena. Um, so there is uh, uh, a learning curve. At that level, I I find that about your third to fifth season is when you the game slows down a little bit and you start to understand uh, more than just the X's and O's. And so I'm really excited to to both learn from the international women and give them some respect. Do you have any? Uh, do you guys have any international uh, players on the Vixen this year at all? Uh, not from a team. We do have a player who's been in the country only a couple of years from Iceland, um, Olaf uh, Indrida's daughter. Um, she is a rookie this year. A couple of years ago, we had a German um, a student at the University of Minnesota. She was a chemical engineer. So uh, just sort of organically, we've picked up a couple of international players, and they've been honestly some of the best players on our roster. So um, it's uh, – and they didn't know anything about women's football before they moved to this country. So that's been an amazing. Jody, uh, tell, let's talk about this uh, players uh, advisory council that the WFA yeah. the King has set up. And so every, uh, last year we had different different uh, personnel, which kind of shuffles things around and makes it interesting. Uh, we talked about Forno, obviously being in Denver, and she's one of the, uh, mm-hmm. the people on the uh, council. Alexis Snyder, mm-hmm. a longtime uh, national team member as well, 2013 and 2017. Mm-hmm. So she knows what's going on there in terms of the international scene as well. And she's participated at the highest level. Yourself, pioneer and veteran of the sport. And then obviously uh, a Mary Sargent, who's uh, 16th, uh, you know, veteran obviously of the sport, 16th season, mm-hmm. defensive lineman. Yep. Um, so there's, you know, a couple, you know, the, the council itself is sort of like, a buildup. You got, you know, players with uh, certain experience and backgrounds. So, what? How did it come about? In other words, is the question. Yeah. So, at the beginning of the off season, there was an announcement that this was going to get created. Um, um, Win from the Mahai Blaze is actually our um, league sponsor. Um, she came up with the idea to say, you know, it's time as a league we're mature enough that we should have something for the players amongst themselves to be something like um, a player's association. And I, I use that term really loosely. To say that um, there are enough of us now who have experience both on and off the field, meaning the business side of football, to be able to talk amongst each other and maybe we come up with an agenda for the next league meeting that says here's the top five things that we as players feel the league should look at. Here are some things um, to, to go to a more local level. Here are some things that we should be telling rookies 
about your year in the your first year in the league. Um, we what I love about the members of the pack so far is that we're so diverse in experience. You know, you've got Jamie who's completely um, a professional um, and a and a high high level athlete. You know, been doing it for a long time, and then you've got um, people who have been playing for a long time um, and just have that knowledge of what it means. Like uh, my first couple of years in football, I didn't see the field except for special teams. And don't get me wrong, special teams are like one of the best parts of the of the game. But you always want to be on that um, the the main unit in the prime time, offense or defense. So to kind of give new players and existing players who might be struggling a little bit with their purpose, their why for being in the WFA or in women um, or on any um, in women's football at all, although we are focused just on the WFA in the pack, I should make that clear. Um, we we just want to give the players a place to come and talk amongst themselves without fear or worry that their owner is going to, you know, immediately poo-poo an idea or um, not have the time to listen to them. It's a sounding board and a mentorship and a place where players can come to be heard and give an idea and maybe have that idea worked into something that can that can be taken to the league. That that's That's what we're here for. Now we had different uh, personnel. You know, we've had uh, Mary, uh, Mary Rose Roach. We had Katie Sowers before that. Uh, so there's a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of veterans that were part of this. So going into this season, this is the only uh, the only uh, members basically. They're going to give their feedback for this season. So is it is it more of a uh, like a Facebook group where everybody every player is invited, and then it, or is it just a closed group between you guys to take feedback from the players? Um, it's more of an open group. So if you are registered with the WFA team, you can come mm-hmm. into our Facebook group, and um, that, that's how we're vetting you is that your registration to the w, with the WFA um, allows you access into the group. And it is, I don't want to say a free-for-all, but it's, it's an open forum, and I don't expect there to be a lot of action at first, you know, because we – as the PAC members are still kind of getting our feet under us with what we want to do. Um, and the players themselves are going are, are needing to test the waters to see, you know, is this group actually useful for me? I, I think one of the things about the former organization or the previous organization is that um, they weren't very active and they weren't very accessible. So this is more of a player-led, player-peer um, uh, organization than it is here's people who know a bunch about football and maybe don't play anymore um, handing down some stuff from the from from the top. So we're really trying to be a bottom-up kind of organization that listens to the players, takes that feedback, and honestly gives a little tough love because not, everybody, not every idea is a great one, right? Um, but every idea deserves to be heard. Well, that sounds, that sounds great because – a lot of times uh, you'll pitch something, but it is a financial burden, or you pitch something and it right. probably is a good, you know, promotional idea. So there's a lot of things that needed, you know, that need to be dealt with. Um, and then there's obviously, you know, setbacks with restrictions, uh, rules. There's a lot of things that have to be taken in, into account. Um, so the reality here, if I understand this on, on the Players Council, it's really a bridge between the existing pack that is obviously participating still and mm-hmm. a kind of like a, 
you know, sort of like a, a voice in that way, and then bringing it up to the uh, ownership. Is that is that how it breaks down? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's um, so it's got two purposes. It's got what we were talking about, where we we want to be a place that can um, crystallize some ideas to bring to the owners, because you know it's tough to listen to a thousand players all at once. So if we can, as the pack, kind of crystallize those ideas and bring them a list of five or ten that we really think makes sense and deserve more information investigation. That's one thing we're going to do. Um, and we're also going to be um, mentors and, and, and friends to each other to say, I have no idea um, why my pants don't fit. I mean, stuff like that. Like, how do I keep my pants from falling down? How do I get my chin strap to work right? Um, I really hate my knee pads, but I don't know what else to do. Because there's a lot of things that we as players have straight up um, uh, made up for ourselves over the years, like my hip pads right now are um, cut out of an old pair of Nike girdles that um, I, I cut the hip pads out because they were thinner than anything else on the market. And I use those as hip pads instead of those stupid, you know, quarter inch thick um, white plastic ones, for example. And that's the kind of knowledge that we want to share amongst ourselves so that we get better at um, being football players. I don't think that that really exists right now in any league. Um, and I don't think it matters what team you're on to be able to tell somebody, hey, try lacing your shoes this way and your heel won't pop out of your ankle of your shoe, you know? Yeah, so so it's kind of like a, a tip a tip kind of environment, so that's good. Um, what What do you say at this point in terms of advertising? Are you guys, like, pushing for that? Because it seems like, the social media uh, aspect of the WFA has been very reserved. There's no videos, there's no hype, uh, there is no graphics. You know, I mean, there's other leagues out there that do a better job of doing, you know, impactful, uh, what would you call eye-catching, um, things like that. So is there anything that, you know, and I'm talking about the official, uh, you know, like the, the official Facebook page in, in general, or the the official Twitter feed, or the official you know that that kind of deal, uh, because oh, for sure. yeah. we, li- we live we live in a day and time where if you're not of relevance or impactful, either a video, a story, or something like that, uh, it literally people just can't be drawn. You have to draw them in. So, as players, um, Jody, I've always asked, why can't you know the WFA at least some in some senses when the season gets going, Chicago used to do this so well, Chicago force. Uh, when I covered them, you know, when they were still around, um, you know, Linda out there did a great job. So, you know, mm-hmm. the matchup of the week for them was really a kind of must see come watch. So for example, you know, Grasafi taking on, you know, Hamlin as an example, and that was their promo, you know, the best quarterback in the world, Right taking on one of the most, Mm -hmm. you know, veteran players on the East Coast, whatever you want to match it. So is there something that the league can, you know, not every team is going to be front and center and shoved to the fans' eyes, but you do have certain teams like yourselves, uh, Boston, D.C., right? You have other teams out there have uh, well-known players but also impactful players. 
And in the mm-hmm. season, it should be something where you're spotlighting the individuals because I think fans don't dive into women's football because you're just promoting the vixen. But when you say, hey, you know, Jody Redlander, she's got seven sacks going up against Wisconsin this weekend. Can she get nine? You know what I mean? So it's got to be like some sort of buzz promo for people to kind of like know that they got to be there to watch something. So uh, have you guys talked about the the marketing and advertising? Yeah, I I don't know, Oscar. Sounds like uh, you're making yourself a pretty good pitch to uh, to to think of that for uh, for this year's uh, season. Um, no, I, I in all seriousness, um, that that is a very fair criticism of uh, of our league, and I think that it's an unfortunate truth in um, small sports that the hype video, um, the the publicity is the last thing that gets attention. So I know that um, our uh, team in specific has some ideas about that. Um, and it also comes down to the time and money, right? I mean, the, the sometimes with all the stuff that the league has to take care of to just get the games on every week, um, a clips package with some cool effects and cool and awesome music is the last thing that they have time for. Um, is it right? Is it wrong? I can't say. Um, it's unfortunate is what it is. And we should all do better. No, and my, my whole key is just that um, we have to take advantage of the in-season excitement is really what I'm saying. Yeah. If you don't take advantage no, of the I, in-season I excitement. Agree. And you're not going to, you know, you're not going to promote every team. That's 80 teams out there. But, you know, Boston mm-hmm. deserves to be promoted weekly because they're the champs. Mm-hmm. And that they should yep. be promoted eight weeks straight because they're the champs. And then, obviously, the rivalry between Boston and D.C. is historic. It is one of the top-notch rivalries in sports and so in the sport in other other words not just in the league but in the sport so you know yourselves in Kansas City as an example that's a rivalry that's happened so that has to be somewhat hyped and spotlighted you know and you have other teams but you not just not just in D2 or D1 but D3 as well yeah I don't disagree but you also have to have a video that's worth using in a promo I mean, one, another unfortunate truth of women's football is that we barely get a Facebook Live out there sometimes. You know, not many teams. We're lucky. Our home games are completely professionally produced, and they're just they're, they're one mm-hmm. of the best broadcasts of women's football you'll find. We are rare, and we shouldn't be. Um, I, I wish everyone had the opportunity to have that because then – all you need to do is have a little bit of half an hour and some, and some good editing software. And you've got your, your, um, yeah. you, you've got your thing, but if you're, my, my thing is just promos in general for like, spit. <laughs> my thing is just generals and promos is just the graphics, just you know, upgrade your graphics. There's, there's software for graphics. Right. It doesn't cost much. You can buy this, you can buy the program. You just got to update your graphics. And that's really what Chicago force did. They didn't really do anything video-like, but they did awesome graphics. They spotlighted the player that they wanted to spotlight for the week. They figured out who was their key player that the fans could come to dive in based on stats or based on, you know, a defensive beast, as an example, or an offensive wide receiver, like, you know, in in that sense, or a top-notch quarterback with a lot of yardage, that kind of deal. So it's something to think about in that sense because that also draws in the fan 
in terms of the, you know, in terms of the brand page, in other words, I'm not talking about the individual team pages, but the brand page, Mm -hmm. the game of the week mentality. Um, The, uh, the X FFL in Texas, for example, does a great job. They've been there three years, but every week they do a great job on graphics and graphics are really key, especially on social media to get eye attention. You get eye attention. Now people get interested. Where is that at? Where can I go dive into it? So that's my, my point there. Um, but yeah, Jody, it's, it's pretty exciting. You, you guys, uh, hopefully this, uh, the council in a, in, in, a, in a way is something that will, you know, bring all these ideas and really get Lisa and the ownership group thinking about how to, you know, elevate the branding and obviously also kind of spotlight some of the key players nationwide uh, in every tier. And I think that's really what, you know, we all want is just kind of spotlight some of the best athletes out there not just on a stat sheet but just uh, put a face and a name to it and a team i think that would be awesome sure no it's a point well made and well taken oscar so uh maybe that's uh, one of the first things we talk about in our weekly chats in the pack is to say you know uh what are what are you doing to in, in your local communities and can you give us that stuff to use at a league level because um, i think if there's anything that we're really the one goal that we're trying to achieve with the pack, it is it, it is to share information because right now there's kind of like 80 silos out there of women's football teams, mm-hmm. and yep. we want to just kind of make it one big farm where we can walk across to the 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 aisle to the next building and share some ideas um, with without any um, you know uh, territorial territorialness. Um, to say, hey, you guys are successful over there. What's making you successful? Because not everything that we do as the Vixen is right for every other team, but there are pieces. Absolutely, there are pieces that people can take from us and, and tweak to be successful. And that's really what the point of the pack is, to give the the platform for those kinds of sharings to happen. Awesome. All right. Um I really appreciate you coming on. Let me get Louise in here because she's joining us as well. And uh, so, Louise, hi, welcome. Um, hey. Jody, the, the the whole 2019 season seems to be very exciting considering all the new teams that were added. Uh, D2 was really a hot contest from what we can see from the outside yeah. end so far, right? D1's always yeah. contested. Mm-hmm. So yep. we don't have to worry about D1 because that's always contested on the East Coast for, for whatever reason. Um, the Warriors kind of fallen off and then re- rebranding to Cali War. I don't know mm-hmm. if that hurts them or, or not, but we'll see how that works out. Um, the Texas I think swing. the core of players remains no, the same. So. Yeah, I know, right. I'm just saying, the you know, it's confusion for an average fan to get, uh, to sure, get acquainted yeah. with mm-hmm. a certain brand. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you yeah. just take it right off the – you know, it's like you guys, you guys have been a staple brand for 20 years. And all of a sudden, if you, right. your brand fell off, people are just like, okay, I don't care anymore, right? But since you guys right. have been there 20 mm-hmm. years, no, that's fair. people would just care, yep. you know what I mean? So yep. that's uh, one thing that I, I worry about in terms of, like, as a fan, like, you know, you sh- I know shuffling, I know there's other reasons behind it. In other words, I'm not ob- oblivious to the reasons behind it. You know, people leave, yeah. people don't want to yeah. do it, things like that. Right. And so it has to be, it has to happen, in other words, that's what I'm saying. I, I understand that part. But in order yeah. for it to be stable, um, you know, you've got to, like, kind of mandate that when you first start, whether you're able to even put that great, uh, a good viable product out there. And I think we're at a level now, 10 years in, where the question has to be that. Can you put out a, vi- a viable product? If you can't, 
then that's okay too because we don't need to put a lesser valuable product because now it's a, it's a matter of really putting a valuable product out there that's, that's good. And so, uh, you know, we have, since I've covered the sport, every tier, when, when the WFA went to the, to the three-tier system, it was more of an applause because now it's like this makes sense, right? Uh, every tier is fighting for their own title. Before, it was like only a select handful were able to even reach that level. It's kind of like college football in a way. Before, it was kind of like, okay, just the five teams are going to make it to the bowl at championships area and everybody else is screwed for the rest of the year. So now it's kind of more fair yeah, and but, every tier, in other words. Yeah, and, to, you know, and, and I think that one of the – to my earlier point – I think that um, more D3 teams should consider, um, you know, getting to D2 level because um, there are seven D1 teams. There are, what, um, 16 D2s, something like that, and then there's like 42 D3s. So if you've only got eight playoff spots, isn't that kind of – that's tough to say that it's going to be hard for us to, to get a playoff. Cause really, why do you play for a champion for a league? If you don't want a championship, I mean, no one's here for rec ball. So I don't, um, so I, I would like to see our D three teams and there are some who I think could compete very well in D two. Um, I, I think I should, I would like to see more D three teams make that decision. You know what? We're, we're ready. We're, we're ready to be D two and, and add more competition um, in those top two tiers I, I that that's something I'd like to see yeah and I think that's an issue that uh, you bring up really clearly because that's a lot of a lot of things that we as fans think about because when you mm-hmm. do have that disparity you know you got eight at the top 16 and oh well here's 40 you're like what <laughs> so right right and credit you know there is durable teams out there you got Arkansas you got Orlando mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of teams Richmond. out there uh, maybe yep Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. There's like Music probably yeah, there's, six, there's, the yeah. same six, six to 12 teams that D2 would have, but there are at least six to 12 durable D3 quality teams that, you know, we've talked to uh, Melissa over in Orlando. There's mm-hmm. just no way she can elevate to a D2 because of numbers, and why would she if she can't do it? And so it makes sense for right. her to stay with that because that's just better for her overall, and then it's good for the players as well, and things like that work out. All right, uh, let's bring in uh, Luis here into the conversation. So, Luis, we're talking about the Player Advisory Council with Jody and um, how this whole thing's working. And uh, it's a mentorship uh, from experienced players as well as uh, a player's voice for the WFA. I did. I read up on that, and I saw that you were on there. Congratulations. Or maybe uh, did you you. want to be on there? Or did you no, apply I did. To be yes. On there? No, we okay. we had to apply and we were selected. So yes. Okay. <laughs> I did. Very good. I, it was voluntary. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, so I was going to ask. I know Wynn from uh, De- Denver had said that she mm-hmm. was on some sort of committee. So maybe you can give some clarity to whatever committees. Or I, I mean, I know this is the pack, and I can see the people that are on that. I mean, I feel yeah. like it's, uh, so, yeah, I feel a little confused because I think so, the, the other league has a little more clear definition. So fill me in. Sure. Yeah. So for, from Wynn's perspective, think of her as our faculty advisor, right? From okay. if, if you want to put a, a school structure around it. So she is the league representative. That's um, that that it was. This is her brainchild. The the pack is her brainchild, and okay. we are kind of executing her vision. 
to have mm-hmm. a player um, board, if you will, to have some feedback for the league. Um, and one of the things that she and I have discussed is, you know, the league had to be ready, right, to to to, um, to consider feedback like that. Um, I could have at any time during my 20-year career sent, you know, a li- five pages of ideas yeah. to, to anyone who asked for it. But the league itself has to be mature enough to um, to accept those um, ideas and, and see whether they're worth pursuing. So it was kind of a perfect storm of her feeling like the league was ready and the players finally having enough of us that – we're ready to be mentors to our peers. Okay, so back up then. So Lisa is the president, and then give me a fan, I mean, uh, give me a breakdown from there. Um, So I don't know about that piece of it. Like, you know, there's, what, 80 owners, give or take, and I'm sure sure they all split into committees somehow. Um, That I have no insight into. All I know is that Wynn is, like I said, our kind of faculty advisor. She is okay. also the owner of the Mile High Blaze, and right. she is um, our voice from players to the league um, when it comes time for us to communicate that way. Okay, so and how are you? If, yeah. Keep going, sorry. No, uh, go ahead. So how are you guys, did they choose you guys from regions? Um, how are you trying to collect information then from players to pass that along? Or yeah. what's the process? Okay, yeah. So, no, that's a really good question. So once the uh, registrations have been um, begun for the WFA for the year, that's how we're going to vet that you're a player for the WFA because obviously no non-WFA player will be in this council. And so you'll be invited to a Facebook group, um, totally voluntary. It's it's kind of one of those open-closed groups. You know, you can see it, but y- you have to be vetted to get into it. Um, okay. And then we will start having, like, um, we're planning on having, like, Friday fives. Like, here's five questions on a Friday morning. Answer it if you like um, and, and see what kind of discussion comes out of it. Um, and like a Monday moment, like um, maybe a coaching tip or a, a, a football clip from the previous weekend where we're like, what do you think about the way this was called? You know, so it's a way to kind of interact with each other on the player level without the boundary of team, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. And people can choose to be in the Facebook group or not. And Correct. then, and it's after the registrations. And how much are they charging mm-hmm. for? So each player has to register. And how much are they charging this yep. year? Um, you know, I don't know yet. They haven't okay. uh, they haven't opened it up yet. So I mean, last okay. year it was what twenty five or thirty. So I would assume it's going to be the same thing in the, in the same range. Yeah. Okay. And then, what do you do with the information? Um, you know, because there's a lot you can see on social media. There's a lot of people that have opinions and stuff. Oh, sometimes sure. yep. it's validated. Yep. Sometimes it's just blowing off steam. Sometimes yep. they're, you know. So how how do you go about using information and passing it along to the top? Do you just pass it along to yep. win? Is that is that it? Okay. Nope. So the 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 four or five of us on the pack will meet outside of win. You know win. Okay. Think of it like student council, the mm-hmm. faculty advisor kind of thing. You know, we, so as a pack, we're we're a group, and we don't not need Win's presence, um, but we will t- 
talk about, you know, I don't know if it's going to be monthly. Everything's still kind of fluid. But we'll talk okay. about the things that have been brought up in the past week or whatever um, as a group. And then we'll kind of have a running list. And then I'm anticipating that when the owner's meeting rolls around, we'll say, all right, here's the 10 things from the pack that came out of all the discussions over the season. And, um, you know, if you didn't get your idea on the list, sorry. But that's okay. just we have to be realistic about what we send there, you know. And, I, again, that speaks to the league being mature enough to understand that we've got some players who can make that, um, make those kinds of decisions about what we send to them. You know, we're not going to send them five pages of stuff. We're going to send them ten. Sure. And yeah. they may take two or none. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what do you think the – I, I – what do you think the goals are of the WFA in the sense of, I mean, I know they're the largest league. Um, it would be nice mm-hmm. if, you know, teams took the the jump and said, hey, you know, we're going to play up. Because I know there's guidelines and rules for each division, but it doesn't seem like mm-hmm. all of them are followed and all the time. And so what do you think the goal of the league is? Do they want to be smaller? Do they want to just let – in the end game, because I know – it seems like they're very happy with just having a lot of teams. And I know in the city I came from, there's a team that's just not good, been around a long time, has a hard time fielding a team. So what's the end game do you feel like? I mean, you've been in, in and out of because the Vixen have been in, you know, different leagues um, mm-hmm. and have had sustaining power. And you guys have had usually pretty strong roster sizes and things like that. But not most teams aren't like that. And so, you know, one-hit wonders or, you know, two years or something like that. So what do you think the overall end game is for the WFA? And why do you think Lisa won't come on Oscar's show? Oscar always (laughs) wants her to come on the show. So we're just going straight to the heavy, Oscar. (laughs) Everyone else going on the show. I'll clarify. Let me clarify the Lisa part. Uh, She has responded to us. She cannot seem to make the time for Tuesdays uh, on her schedule. So um, she said she would try to do what she can in the future. But uh, other than that, um, that's the reason we've gone through getting other folks. So that was her suggestion, and that's why we brought in Jody and we brought in Gwen and other folks. So. Yeah, but Jody's, like, famous and stuff. So, you know, we got to have <laughs> Jody. Of course. Uh, infamous, maybe. I'm pretty sure Lisa's yeah. famous, no. too. She's a great receiver. <laughs> so. Totally. Yeah. So we got to have – I mean, so, you know, I've heard all about Jody. So, uh, yeah, it's cool, obviously, so, to have people come into the on the show that have just been around. So, anyways, back to the question. Yeah. So we answered yeah. Lisa. Dang it. No, I wanted your answer, not Oscar's answer. <laughs> well, that. I am not Lisa. Um, okay. All I can say is that someone who is that busy and has that many competing priorities um, is uh, is hard to pin down. Um, and that that's her that's her prerogative. Um, as far as I the know. league goes, I think that um, – let's see. Oh, I'll, I'll just be blunt. There are, frankly, people who get into women's football without having the slightest idea of how to run a business. Totally. And, you know, when you try to put on something that is the, that costs the equivalent of a minimum wage salary mm-hmm. for, for a year um, and you don't have that – kind of cash laying around or the ability to raise it or get it, you are probably going to fail. And I think that sometimes um, they, I, I think that the, the ability to pay the league fee 
is never an indicator of success. Right. And by the way, and what's the league fee right now? Yeah. I have what's no the league idea. fee right now? Oh, okay. Keep going then. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. It, it's it's there's some zeros behind it. That's about yep. all I know. Um, and I know and, it changes. Um, yeah. Years. Yeah. Yeah, and it, right. It, I do know that it, it, it's different depending on your tier. But like, for example, um, we just lost two games on our schedule because Madison Blaze in February yeah. decided yeah. they couldn't put a season together. And I'm I'm I have my player hat firmly on here. I do not speak for the Vixen. I do not speak for the league when I say this. But it is so frustrating because as a business person, I know that you knew way earlier uh-huh. on February 10th that yeah. this wasn't going to be your year. So I you know, that that's very frustrating as a player to say totally. you know man up. And yeah. woman up, whatever, and mm-hmm. and say, you know what? In Jan- January first, we don't have thirty people solid on the roster. We got twelve people showing up to to combines and workouts. We can't do it. I, I mean, there's there's no shame in that. And mm-hmm. I, I applaud people for trying their hardest. Trust me, I I took sixteen people to Arizona to play a football game, um, and we came home with twelve healthy. So. I, I've been there. You want to play football, but sometimes you just have to say, this is not our year. And you have to say it early enough for other people to be able to adjust to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so that, what's that's, the end game? Yeah. The end game, I honestly have no idea. Um, Lisa is a, you know, Lisa, I am neither an owner um, nor talk to Lisa on a regular basis. So I have never asked her what the league is is trying to accomplish. Um, and I frankly don't even have a guess. Um, what I see is a lot of teams that try real hard, um, a lot of 62-2 to two blowouts, and no willingness to um, have some hard talks about um, maybe you shouldn't have a team. And, again, play your head on right there, not speaking for anyone else. Do you think the league should be more involved in that, though? Because it seems like the league should, in my opinion. Yes, yes and no. So I I think that we could do a better job of um, just like we're trying to do with our players of mentoring our teams. Like, if you want to come in, that's great. We're going to hook you up with a more successful team. And it doesn't have to be in your market can be like a similar size market. doesn't have to be in your geographical area. But, you know, Laura, our owner, would be more than happy to sit down with a group of Division Three teams who are struggling and say, okay, when you post on social media, have you told your players that you have to share that post? When, do all your players have a Twitter, an Instagram, and a Facebook for football? How are, you know, what's your strategy for getting your local paper to pay attention to you? Are you sending them press releases? You know, there's some basic questions that you don't think of when you're just trying to keep the lights on, right? So I think mm-hmm. the league could definitely do better in mentoring um, each other, the teams. But, again, there's a lot of pride sometimes, I think, and, oh, I've, I got a plan. I'm I'm fine. You know, we're, yeah. we're doing fine yep. down here. I'm like, mm, are you yep. really? <laughs> yeah. But that's where the franchise so, – you know, the like when you have a McDonald's franchise, if you can't 
if you've proven that you can't be such and such or measure up to such and such, you lose your franchise. And that's where I wish right. the league would step in and be like, okay, so this was your chance this year to prove yourself, you know, and if you if you if you have a forfeit or if you can't bring the numbers or whatever, you're done though. That was your shot. Right. You know, so yeah, anyways, I wish they would do I, that I, more yeah. so. Yeah, and you know, if wishes were horses, we'd all have rides. But it's a, yeah. it's it's a, it's a thing that I don't think you'll ever solve until um, the, the the league is self-sustaining financially, and Lord knows yeah. when that's going to happen. You know. Yeah. So the, it's a it's a it's a it's a chicken egg thing, right? As much as I yeah. wish that everyone who tried to put together a women's football team was successful, some people are not cut out to do it. And yeah. I wish there was a better way of figuring that out sooner. Oh, well, I'll right, tell you what right now. Um, <laughs> if you guys have, if you guys want any tips, Lynn, uh, Lynn Ellington on JC uh, Hawks Radio, she's got woman football success. You can always dive into her on JC uh, Hawks Radio, JC at uh, JC sure. Hawks. Uh, so, and she's got great ideas, um, you know, from the ground up to the beginning. So, and sometimes that's what it takes. Like Jody, you're mentioning, it really does. It's networking to figure out, you know, what you're structuring for. Because a lot of, I think a lot of people have that inclination, like you said, is they just assume that no big deal, they can handle this type of structure. And it really is a structure that you must have your ducks in line. Otherwise, you know, you are going to be financially not viable and if you're not viable then that means the product on the field is not very good and then eventually what you're what you get is a team that obviously can't feel the team and you're sacrificing players safety and everything else um so the seriousness has to be there in terms of the i think the league itself has to like to louis point has to kind of set a mandate as to if you're able to do it or not i mean st louis is a perfect example st louis has had what a certain seasons that are great and all of a sudden they just go, hey, we got to go on a hiatus because there's just no way we can do this. And then they kind of rebound mm-hmm. the next year and after the year. So, like, you know, Jody, like you said, there's no shame. It's just it's it's better to be up front early and abandon and kind of sh- reshuffle and retool than to go into a season and have to sacrifice bodies and safety for players just to, what, to claim a, a team name or just to be part of yeah, the league. Yeah, and, so. and as a competitor, I hope that St. Louis comes back every bit as good as they were the last time we played them because we have some unfinished business there. So, yeah. There we go. Fired up already. Fired <laughs> up 2019. Slam, <laughs> oh, yes. you listening? It's, it's never you're too, listening it's right never here? too early. Yeah. Moose is calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're listening right now. Um, you probably woke them up Fair already. Enough. They're going, whoa, nothing. Um, <laughs> So, Jody, uh, awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, obviously the Vixen in 2019. Uh, D2 was very competitive, and I think the schedule sure. between yep. you guys, Kansas City, like we talked about earlier, yep. um, it's going to be a really good, really good season. So, and then the travel, the travel structure for the WFA, I think we have to give them credit. Every season they've tried to, you know. Uh, regionalize it to a point where travel is somewhat mm-hmm. minimized. And I think mm-hmm. you have to yep. give them credit for certain things as well. So, you know, it's not about, I'm, I'm never going to be up here, like, you know, kind of batch the league for, for making an attempt to do something different, but I will, you know, uh, question certain things in, in season and in league and what, what, what is done because on a fan aspect of it, we still are fans. Um, and so 
you know, we got to give credit where credit is due. It is sustainable, 10 years. It's got a good branding. East Coast swing of teams is really good and durable. Midwest is durable now. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the, the national championship was top-notch. You had, you know, three rivalry matchups, uh, you know, and between you guys, New York, you're, uh, you had Orlando and uh, Arkansas, and, of course, you know, marquee market uh, um, markups of markets of Boston and L.A., so the expectation mm-hmm. is obviously to have that type of finish in Denver this coming season as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we're so fired up to, to see what this season brings. Um, we, we know that the road to Denver could not be more difficult, and we are excited for the challenge. We, we can't wait. All right, Jody. thank you for making the time. Uh, took you away from practice, yeah. so I guess that's a good thing for you. <laughs> <laughs> good excuse as they say so it, it's all right well i know we're good um but i really appreciate you making the time and giving us clarity on the players pack um uh, and what it stands for for the wfa and it's and each player um great success for you guys say hi to laura for me great job out there we'll in minnesota do. and we will uh keep tabs on you guys coming up into the spring season um we're, and we're excited obviously between the wfa and the wnfc there's it's just going to be pretty awesome uh, women's football all summer. Absolutely. Can't wait. Have Thanks. a great night. Thank Thanks. you again. Talk to you soon. You too. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, Luis, there you go. Jody Moose, uh, Red, Redlander, uh, obviously pioneer, played in the WPFL way back in the day, 20 years ago. And not to say that she's old, but she is a vet, and she's probably seen it all. You know, she's seen it. Leagues drop, leagues promise, leagues do this, do that. Um, I don't think anything really phases her now at this point. I think she pretty much has seen it all. So it's a, it's a good step for them to t- kind of get uh, this type of environment uh, with the players. Um, it's kind of like a feedback uh, group in a way, a uh, feedback group that gives Gwen an idea of what the players are, you know, sensing at this point and what, they might ask of the league. That's what she explained it at the beginning. And then at that point, it would be the owners taking it to Lisa to figure out how the league can accommodate. That's really how it breaks down. Yeah, I hope it works. I mean, for the benefit of all the teams and all the um, players out there that would like to – I mean, there's obviously similar type orchestration going on in NFL and in any successful organization. So – uh, I hope it works, and I hope that, uh, like she said, the, the the league has to be mature enough in a lot of ways. Maturity is broad in this sense um, to be able to take feedback, implement feedback, and not and and to be able to take quality feedback, siphon out the stuff that can't happen, won't happen, and take the steps that can that you can make happen. You know, and and I do think um, the size of the league is detrimental um, in trying to implement change. I mean, like, that's just humongous. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just that's just so many teams that have needs, and their needs are unique, and they're different, and, and they're just the different divisions. I mean, even in college football, you, you don't have one huge umbrella for every college football team with all the leagues. So, anyway, I think that will be hard, um, but, you know, it's their challenge, and I'm not volunteering to do it, so that's off to them. 
You're not volunteering to do it? Is that what you said? No. So I can't be. No. So I can't be uh, uh, too critical. I just. I just think that that's going to be difficult, from uh, from my opinion. But you know, yeah. trying to do good things. So. Well, it's in, and what it boils down to is there's a voice, I think, in reality, and I think uh, that's the key to the whole uh, membership there is to be the voice. Mm-hmm. And like she said, there's a, uh, players on this council that obviously are veteran players. They've had, you know, seasonality within the, the league, understands the league structure. So I think that is a key. And then obviously taking feedback from the players and then just bringing it to one person that's going to just, you know, like she said, you're not going to take a, a whole Bible of right. requests, but you might, you know, there's a stepping stone of one or two requests at it, and maybe that right. builds up to uh, improvement that way. Um, yeah. So we have an event in Cancun coming up and uh, you're part of it. And a lot of other players are part of it. Um, and you guys are, I think you guys are just going there because of the beach front, not because you guys want to just go play football. It's just the, the travel. And it's like, somebody says, Hey, you want to play football in Cancun? You're like, yes, I'm going. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, uh, seriously, I haven't been to Cancun. I've been to other parts of Mexico. So I'm super excited about that since it's like negative degrees as a high where I live for the last three weeks. So it's really cold. It's brutally cold. Um, Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And I know there's about, uh, there's like four other Falcons that were invited. And um, the organization has done this with men before, and they've done it a lot. And so this was just the first year of the women, and uh, you had to apply, and you had to send in film and just those kind of things. So I just was like, hey, what the heck? And um, But when I got the letter saying I was chosen, I was pretty excited. Um, I mean, you, you had two weeks to decide after you got the letter if you were going to do it before your first payment was due. So... Um, I was really lucky, and I was able to get my fee sponsored by several different sponsors, which was awesome. And then you have to do your airlines, too. But um, but the coaching staff seems amazing. The organization of the organization, the, the organization of the organization is totally impressive, very top-notch. Um, in fact, all of our swag and everything like that gets shipped to us before we ever go. So it just comes to our doorstep. Um, including your helmet, you get to keep your helmet, um, and so and it, and then when you if you get invited to do other um, events with them, then you don't have to you just use that same swag for the next couple of years. So the team that we're playing is in Mexico, um, an all-star team from Mexico, and from what I can gather, they had tryouts for it, and uh, you had said that they were going to have the roster by the night so i haven't seen a roster but there's over 40 players going from the u.s all from all over the country and um several coaches that uh that i know from the women's game are going and then several i don't know i mean i don't know everybody out there so uh but yeah it's 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 way organized and we're talking about the uh afe which is the the american football event team usa right Yes, and actually, at the time, what won me over was just the outreach programs that they do. I mean, you have the four practices. Yeah, you're on a five-star resort, beachfront, all-inclusive, so that's a big deal. That was sounded good. But really, the opportunity to be of service and to 
um, and to the group that we they I guess the organization does this wherever they go. They work with um, orphanages, and they like to do it abroad because there's less rules and less restrictions, and so it's much easier to take a group and go work with the orphanages and the different service opportunities. So that was really yeah, more of a give, fact, more I, of a charitable give back program. Yeah, but with yeah, the same that was time, a big deal. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Big kind of like deal. giving you an adventure. An adventure is one to play ball and then sort of give back and kind of. I, I would say explore is the word. Kind of explore a country. At the same time, you mm-hmm. go out there and, and showcase your talents on the football field. Yeah, I wish I could stay longer just because it is Cancun. And normally, when I tr- when I play football games, I'm really careful about how I eat. And so this is kind of like a disadvantage because you're at an all inclusive resort and. And, uh, you know, that's kind of tough. But So you're um, going to take we'll advantage of the resort, and you're not going to care about what to eat. Is that what you're saying, Luis? Oh, I'm going to have to figure out something. I don't know. It, I doesn't, mean, wor- it doesn't matter. You're not going to have the kids and the husband there, so who cares? There's no, no, oh, there's no, no cheat mode there. Oh, it's not that. It's just that, you know, what you put in your body, what you get out of it, you know, it's just oh, it sure. correlates. So. Um, but yeah, there's like 12 coaches going. Uh, Coach Rick from the Falcons was invited. He's an assistant offensive uh, coach, and um, and then uh, oh uh, uh, gosh, what's her name? She used to she's the head coach for Chanel. Sh- Sh- uh, she used to be the head coach for Austin. Chanel Show Show. Oh, I can't think of her name. Anyways, she um, is going. And then, like I said, there's other coaches that I don't recognize. But they take their own team doctors. They take their own chiropractor. They take their own videographer who makes a video of the whole event plus uh, professionally streams the game. I mean, it's funny because, you know, the U.S. Federation of Women's Sports, they do a lot of friendlies. You know, in soccer you see it. You see it in other sports. And being a part of the last couple All-Star Games in Vegas – I just think it's great opportunities for women to play football and to be – when I look at it, I think, okay, I know what my goal is. I know what my challenge is. My challenge and my goal is to go play and see how good we can be with four practices with a bunch of ladies from all over the country, many of which I've never played with, and 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 then how can we be a positive example as American athletes – um, in a foreign country and to play against uh, other foreign athletes. And so that's a big deal. That's just a really cool opportunity. I look at it as like that. And um, and also, like, we, in our emails and stuff like that, they expect uh, some of the coaches are former military, so they expect highest level of USA representation. And I love having a bar set high that you hold yourself. I mean, that's, a team from which the Falcons is. And so I like that. I expect the highest level of expectations, how you hold yourself, how you treat others, how you play the game of football. And uh, I, I really respect that. And, I mean, you're a military man yourself as well. And so um, I think we're we are from the country of America, which is a great country. And no matter what political meanings that people may have or feelings they may have about our government or everything like that, guess what? We're representing. We have USA on our shirt. And our jersey, and we're representing that, and that's a really cool thing. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited for the opportunity, and uh, um, yeah, I, and hopefully it gets advertised a little bit more. I know you've been great 
as far as the streaming of the game? Because Mexican athletes are a little bit different than American athletes. Um, their style of play is a little bit different. Uh, they're fast. Well, I think it's because fast. they don't play 11-on-11 traditionally now, right now. I right. mean, the 11-on-11 right. just barely got started. So there is opportunity there. But I'm pretty sure they're excited over in that in that region to be oh, facing, yeah. obviously, like, why? Yeah. yeah, so it's going to be pretty like awesome. US, U.S. soccer played France recently or whatever. I just think those are great. And I remember what's funny is that when the for the the two U.S. or the two All Star games in Vegas were happening recently, the last couple of years, there was getting pushback. There was some pushback coming from the leagues, as if like, wait, who are you that you guys should be having All Star league or All Star games without league, um, without league uh, support or without league putting their stamp on it and things like that. And what this tells me is that you know what, these things can happen aside and away, away from league-run games. And I know that there's some girls that aren't going or didn't apply because it was close to their season. Totally get that. Um, and, and their coaches don't want them to do it. Totally get that. What I'm saying is is that the, the leagues do not control this sport worldwide. And there's a lot of opportunities out there. And, and I haven't heard any pushback. Now, I'm not involved with this this game organizationally in any way um but guess what it's a free country and there's girls that want to play football and so who should try to control them and tell them what they should or should not do when they're paying it with their own money and until this sport is funded by people with money then why not promote the sport um play the sport and make it grow in whatever way. So I think this is a great opportunity. And they, they are going to do another event in San Antonio, I think, and for women. And I'm like, hey, they've been doing it for men for years. Now they're, I mean, that's like the flavor of the day is, you know, Adidas supporting women, you know, women in sports and all the new, the the screen time given to women athletes for the Super Bowl and stuff like that. So I just think, yeah, just keep it going. And, you know, someday something something will happen that someone's going to want to come fund it. But until we can keep doing what we're doing, you know, heck, why not? Yeah, I know the roster came out, and there are some key players on the roster. I mean, Katie Ott, who is also on oh, the uh, – Oh, you mean on the USA you know, roster. Rebelli- okay. Yeah, on the USA roster. And then there was uh, notable names. Uh, you have uh, – uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, let me see here. Look at the roster. I think it was sent to me – Leanne Lehman from the Everett Rain. You have yeah. Chantel Shelton from the Seattle Spartans. You have uh, Rachel Brown from the Colorado Freeze, now part of the there's Denver Bandits. There's some long-time Bandit. players. Yeah, there's some long-time um, players. You have Renee uh, Fronin from the Texas Elite Spartans. Um, so there's a combination of WNFC um WFA athletes on the whole roster. So, and then, so that's exciting. And it's 97, I think 97 athletes so far on the roster, or that's, I don't know if that's the final number, but 97, I'm sorry. 57. 53-man roster. No, oh, it's just, yeah, no, I'm reading, the, about... I'm reading her number, her, her uh, jersey number. Uh, but no, it's a, oh, it's a yeah. big roster, big roster size. And so uh, from all over the country, we're talking Midwest, East Coast, uh, everything. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, so that's the the American um, the American uh, football events 
Um, and so that's going to take place, I believe. Let me see. The, do you have the date on there? It's going to take place. Yeah. On? The the, tra- the time is from March 6th through the 10th, but the game's on the 9th. And it's an evening game. It's an evening start time in Cancun, which I think is Eastern Standard Time. Two hours different from Mountain Standard. So yeah. So you know, uh, five o'clock uh, Mountain Standard Time. So four o'clock. For so you. it'll be four o'clock Pacific. Okay. Yeah. So and I've the seen team in the Mexico video. is the team in Mexico is part of the uh, La Fay or La Fay La Fay team, which mm-hmm. is part of the uh, Lisbeth Mandragon's team. So it's uh, American football event, Team USA versus the Mexican All-Star team, which is called the uh, Warrior Jaguars. And that's going to be Women's Maya Cancun Bowl. And that's going to be over in Quintana Roo, Cancun, Quintana Roo, Mexico. It will be at the Colegio Cesario Campo Torianos in Cancun. And that's going to be March 9th. So that's pretty cool. Um, so that's you know, the event tell coming you, up. you got to get – you got to get yourself hooked up because they're taking, uh, you know, someone especially just for bilingual uh, purposes. And so uh, uh, I don't know if that if that person has to pay, it's, it's a guy, um, or anything like that. But, yeah, they take him for his ability to speak Spanish and English. So, you know, you got to get yourself hooked up to those kind of things. Free trip to Cancun, well, maybe, you know. <laughs> maybe in the future I can hang out with you at yeah. the beach. That will be great. There you go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really a bummer because I don't drink alcohol. So, uh, and the alcohol. It doesn't <laughs> matter. I don't drink alcohol either. So, I it's got a just going to be hanging out, I just say. A lot of virgins. It'll just be hanging out. Crazy. But it's going to be a great event. Hall of Famer. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that's a credit right there. Yep. I'll, just, so, I'll just have to kind of pull that card out. Hey, it's, <laughs> you're yep. taking Hall of Famer out. <laughs> oh, great. Get that um, card made up, man. Seriously, I should. Um, yeah. So, you know what? Uh, great event's going to come up. It's going to be good. And then we have another event coming up here on the 23rd. It is the uh, South Beach Bowl. It is the uh, Legend-style play com- in combination with Lexfa uh, men's play, uh, Team USA versus Lexfa Mexico in the event. And then you also have FXL Mexico represented at All-Stars taking on My- uh, MIFA Canada. And so it's going to be February 23rd. It is a rematch of the last year's uh, championship in Cancun. And that's on February 20th. And that's going to be taking place there. Um, let's go, uh, Luis, let's go into Spain. Well, we have the opportunity here because we've got about another half hour before we got to get out of here. But in Spain, the action, uh, rookies win in Valencia, 30-8. to eight. And they put in, obviously, the stamp that they are the best team in Spain. And they've been the best team in Spain for almost nine years running now. So the current champs pretty much open up LNFA week two, 30-8 against the red-hot Valencia Firebacks, who had a real good week one. So now the uh, rookies are 2-0 and ahead of Valencia, 2-1, and who go down to second place because of the loss. So the victory by the rookies, however, not an easy victory against the Firebacks. Uh, but Anna Dia scored for the for the rookies and Anna Leal's two-point conversion put them up 8-0 on the scoreboard. As soon as that, in the second quarter, Sabrina Marquez cut the lead to 8-6, to and that wasn't until the last play before the half where the rookies turned the scoreboard over. Uh, Paula Carl was the uh, second touchdown of the Bats, who left the score at 12-8 to at the half. And then in the uh, resuing second half, it was uh, Marquez 18-8, Firebats tried to react, but it couldn't uh, couldn't to the rookies. 
uh, in the last quarter. So the final score here is obviously 30 to 8. The champs keep going. Uh, own first place right now as we go into week three. Uh, week three in the L- women's LNFA Feminina will be completed next weekend. And that's going to be the battle of Badalona Drax versus Barcelona Buffaloes. Badalona has not won in two years. So they're winless in two years. Opportunity here to take on Barcelona Buffaloes. It's going to be a hard test. So, uh, Luis, there you go. Rookies doing their thing. Nine years running, and they're still, they're still even in this season, they're really good. I'm wondering how they're able to maintain that. Like, do um, do they have recruiting rules over there, or, um, or? It's by region, from what I'm told. Okay. So it's really by region. Um, it is it is a nine on nine competition, so it isn't yeah. eleven on eleven. It's a nine on nine, and so there's two there's two levels of competition in FEFA, and it is seven on seven, and then it is nine on nine. And the seasons right. uh, all play within each other. And so the, the the bigger league or the top tier league is nine on nine, no different than the UK leagues. So it's a sim- similar concept. Right. Yeah, cause the different divisions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the the regions must be pretty, you know, decent size. So they don't have a ton of teams within each region, and so they're able to just no, build they, a dynasty. No, I, I think the re, the re, yeah the recruitment status for each each league or each format is uh, the reason they do nine on nine is because they you know, the numbers aren't there to support the 11-11 game. And one of the reasons that they couldn't field the Spain national team for uh, the IFAB World Championships. Um, And they're trying to, from what I'm told, they're trying to field a team for the the Euro, the IFAB Euro Championships. But uh, we'll see how that turns out at this point. But uh, week three, it is going to be Badalona, February 17th, coming up here, taking on Barcelona to finish up week three. So they go in, in, in uh, two-week increments. So uh, week three was played this past week for the one squad, and then they finish up week three this week, and then they go to the next the next two weeks, it's uh, week four. So each each league, um, each team has, you know, separate separate weekends, basically, for the same week. So week week four is going to be on two different weekends, how it adds up. Okay. So the rookies right. are there. And they, and they do um, tournament-style stuff, too. Right. They do have the Spanish Bowl, which is like a jamboree prior to the season kickoff. So they do that as well. So it's really good. Uh, the uh, France uh, results, we will get them up as soon as we get the details from France, uh, the FFFA Challenge Feminine. And we'll get that uh, details at the hub at facebook.com. There's cool articles on the hub. Uh, Copa Sport America, the Brazilian league, uh, got uh, spotlights. Uh, Amanda Bobaid, um, MVP, and then Amanda Ramos, defensive MVP, and you can catch that um, at, on our Facebook page. Pretty awesome there. Um, Luis, let's get our let's get your take here. We have uh, legend uh, LF, LFB legend style play. It's going to be uh, it was basically in Cancun where you're headed for the full kit leagues, and it was really awesome. And you had uh, Barracudas completely uh, fall. Week one, they fall, and you can get all the details at our at the hub. Uh, thanks to our network partners out there in Cancun, which is various ones. We had over four network partners that we're working with this year: RCN Sports, Diagonal, Deportes Quintana Roo, and Where to Go Playa, as well as uh, officially working with LFB uh, uh, with their Facebook Live. So 20 to zero, it was the Barracudas falling to the Bucaneras, the Buccaneers. 
And then in uh, week two, SOA, the Sisters, Sisters of Anarchy fall 20 to 0 uh, versus, obviously, um, Naredas. So it's a pretty awesome league. Uh, you can catch it uh, at the hub, all the uh, updates and everything else. So it's a pretty good weekend for them. I wanted to say that I, when you were talking about the 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 event on February 23rd, the South Beach one, that's just another, uh, you know, inter um, intercountry friendly. You know, I just think, um, you know, we've had different discussions on the LFL and obviously different guests that are on, and to me, I look at it like, yeah, I wouldn't play LFL for different reasons, but. People do, and they like it, and so it, I just look at it as another way of promoting across the country lines and just having a fun time. Like it's just life. It's, a, you know? it's no just, different. It's no different than yeah. uh, AFE. So the the, yeah, the, the tournament, the tournament set up that's set up with uh, Lexfa. Lexfa is the one that mm-hmm. sets it up. In other words, Lexfa mm-hmm. Mexico. Uh, which is the top two, the top two leagues in Mexico is FFX and then Lexfa. So Lexfa LFL, sets it up. LFL, yeah. Uh, LFL well, style. Uh, Le- I mean. The LFL Lingerie. style, um, Lexfa coordinates with uh, FXL. So it would be oh, okay. the same as you know, like the WFA somehow reaching out to the LFL and say, hey, okay. can you'll have your full kit game, right? And then oh, you'll have okay. your legend style game. So. So okay, they're working in cool. unison in that sense. And then there's a, a league in Canada, the uh, MIFA Canada. Uh, MIFA Canada is actually the uh, innovator and creator of the event. They are the ones that okay. created this event. And so they don't have legend-style play in Canada. So what they do is the girls um, on the Longhorns, they're called the Longhorns, uh, the Longhorn girls who all play traditional 11-on-11 will kit. Those girls, those same girls, uh, when they go to Mexico, they convert to the eight-on-eight, and they play legend-style play for the national team. Okay. Okay. So they, they kind of switch it out. So that's how the, the setup is set up. So FXL All-Stars from all their teams, and then My, uh, MIFA, which is only the Longhorns from Canada. So that's how the play is set up. Um, the other event in Mexico is awesome. Lafay Bajo versus UFAN, and that's going to be the friendly bowl this weekend, the 15th through the 17th. What was that, Luz? I was just going to say, I think it's awesome. And, and you know, it's just a way of being active and athletic. And life is just too hard to not have fun things to look forward to. So A lot of I the players really of... like it because, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, if you're from Mexico and you've never been to Canada, you got an opportunity to go to yeah. Canada. You know what I mean? And if yeah. you're from Mexico and you've never been to South Beach, Miami, you got an opportunity mm-hmm. to go to South Beach, Miami and have a good time playing a sport and enjoying the surroundings. So it's a really, yeah, a really like good I, event. I never would have gone to Cancun unless, well, at least not at this point in my life, if there wasn't football and an opportunity to give back using the sport of football. So once again, I just think there's so many different ways that this sport is growing and progressing and just, you know, being a good thing for a lot of people. And it's just a game. I just, I just think it's really cool that people are doing all these different interesting tournaments and you know, leagues, and you can't even, like, keep up with it. It's just so many different ways of women playing football. Very cool. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, good, uh, it's a good way to introduce the sport in a way, and the, the, mm-hmm. the organizer of the league or the organizer of the event, for example, this event, uh, his, his goal was 
to obviously uh, include the men's side, which is the focus point, and then the women's side right. on the other side with the legend style play. But they've also done events where you have uh, Lexfa women on either side full kit and the men's full kit as well. So it's kind of like you know a dual event in that in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Let's let's talk about AF, AA, AAF uh, week one here before we get out of here. So uh, the um, Arizona Hot Shots, Jennifer King, and Mackenzie's Hot Shots are one and zero. Low Locust, uh, Coach Low Locust is uh, Birmingham Iron, and Trent Richardson out there one and zero. And then Jen Welter falls. The Legends, no Legends at all, zero and one. They get romped by the Orlando Apollos. And then your Salt Lake Stallions fall mm-hmm. uh, this past weekend. And so, um, so pretty, pretty awesome weekend for the AAF. And then the, the claim to fame was they were able to get a better rating than the uh, NBA. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that specific game. And, and, you know, a lot will tell next week when they have the next games. Um, it's interesting. I think the way the, they're going to – I think it's going to be successful at, because it has NFL backing and it's on TV. And I know that, like – Salt Lake had another league that was arena that tried to pop up, and you could just recently in the last couple of years, and it didn't last more than one season, and you as fans could go and help choose plays and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of a gimmicky league. And and I'm not into that kind of stuff. And so I think the league, as it gets going and gets better, there's a lot of NFL people that are coaches, and there's obviously a lot of people in the upper management NFL with NFL uh, experience kind of reminds me of uh, you know the, the WFNA oh, the the oh, OJ's league uh, W say it NFC W the NFC yeah where you have some names that attract to the league so um, and and for Salt Lake City they had several players from the local universities that are on the team and several from Nebraska and. You know, the kicker for San Diego was the kicker for the Chargers this past year. And I was oh, like, yeah. oh, that was a great pickup. <laughs> that was a great pickup for them. So, uh, you know, I hope it does well because when people talk about the women's league should all be one league, that's why you and I have discussed, yeah, whatever. You know what, the NFL is not even just one league. So um, I think there's some good talent. Um, one of the running backs for Arizona, I think it was – Matt Asiata, I think it was Arizona. I can't remember. It wasn't Utah. I'm confu- I just can't remember all of a sudden. He played six years for the Minnesota Vikings. And so, you yep. know, he just wasn't on a roster. So, well, Trent Richardson like is really the storyline for the, for the week because he came out of nowhere and everybody's like, yeah, there's Trent Richardson. Remember him? Yeah. That's yeah. from the iron and stuff. So pretty cool yeah, there. I think um, be cool. The rankings are, were done by sporting the Sporting News. So the first AAF bar rankings uh, were done by the Sporting News. So the rankings are Arizona is number one, or I'm sorry, Apollos is number one, I believe, that they ranked out there. Let me see here. Get the rankings here. Here, Here's the uh, rankings here. But the, let's go with the final scores first. Um, so it was Orlando, 40-6. to six. A lot of work to do for the Legends uh, team out there. San Antonio, 15 to San Diego, 6. Kind of disappointed with Mike Marks. You know, yeah. I, I kind of saw that game in San Diego, and I all I can think mm-hmm. of when that quarterback got blown up was is Mark <laughs> Bolger. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, this guy's going to get killed. And it's like, all right. So there you go, traditional Mike March type of uh, offensive no blocking and 
kill the quarterback. Yeah. So yeah. that's what you got there. But they did stay in the game, so it wasn't like a big blowout. Then Birmingham just literally with Trent Richardson just showed up, 26 to Memphis. Um, I don't know if Singletary has figured it out, but you know he, he with the Niners he couldn't figure it out. I don't know if he's gonna be able to figure it out here. <laughs> he's get blown out. And then Arizona 38, Salt Lake 22. It was a pretty close game for a couple of, what two quarters, and then it, Arizona sort of ran off with it. Um, so uh, yeah, shout out to Jennifer King uh, for the Hot Shots win. Uh, Coach Locust for the uh, shutout from Birmingham. And then, obviously, uh, Jen Welter falls from it. So, Holly has made a decision. She is going with the San Antonio Commanders as her home team. And so, there you go. So, we're all on board. Uh, the only uh, thing we don't have is uh, Legends. Le- I'm sorry. Yes, Legends was Troy. You're, you're with the Salt Lake Stallions. Um, mm-hmm. I'm with the Fleet. And so there was no uh, representative for the iron on our uh, panel or Memphis or Orlando. So at this point that that's pretty much the only two, three teams that none of us have are rooting for, but we can have a sister team. I mean, so if I got to take a sister team, I think it'd be uh, Birmingham at this point. What would be a sister team for you? The express or the Apollo? Well, Well, I'd rather take Arizona since that's where I'm from, but, um, Oh, where's Apollo? Well, of the three remain of the of the three remaining, it'll be Orlando, uh, Birmingham, or Memphis. Oh gosh, they're all like on the other side of the country. We're not um, taking Memphis. I can tell you that. Why not? I'm not taking Memphis. Singletary's bad oh, you're, you're and horrible. Not. Okay. <laughs> you can't I'll, I'll go with uh, Coach Low Locust in in the Iron if I have taken alternative. Okay. Um, Orlando, you know, there's Disney there, so. Uh, I can take Orlando. Well, you're going to take Orlando uh, anyways because Steve Spurrier is there and he just kicked some butt this weekend. <laughs> you know what? I did not know he was the coach. I had forgotten that. I heard that he was going to be coaching. I mean, yeah, they have a lot of – I mean, Rick Neuheisel and the guy in Salt Lake, Erickson. Um, I mean, they so the did Apollos, use a lot of names. The Apollos put up a league-high 40 points in their inaugural opener against Atlanta. That's more impressive, mm-hmm. I think, than anything. And the Legends just put up six points. Quarterback Garrett Gilbert was their quarterback. Terrence Garvin, a good defensive player. I'm going over by the uh, I'm going over the review of the Sporting News here. The Iron took a while to get going on offense, but 2012 first round draft pick Trent Richardson rushing for 58 yards and two touchdowns, and receiver Quentin Patton also for 107 yards. An uh, offensive uh, was uh, give the you know, the iron their uh, obviously their shutout. Arizona number two spot was a close spell between iron and hot shots. While the iron made their case with defense, the hot shots were all offense, finishing with a Lehigh 416 yards for John Wolford, who leads the league in passing yards after one week uh, and four touchdowns, which is 38 to 22 over your uh, Salt Lake Stallions. And then the Commanders, which. Holly was really high on where the fourth team to pull off a win. And they did so with a solid offense that put up 364 yards. Uh, San Antonio had a solid three-way rushing attack going with Aaron Green, Kenneth Farrow, and David Cobb and quarterback Logan Woodside, um, who had no touchdowns with, but two interceptions at this point. And then you all, the Stallions put up the most points among all losing teams. Although it was, uh, wasn't overly impressive. Josh Woodrum, Struggled completing less than half of his passes before being replaced by backup Mike Linenham. 
So the Stallions also struggled in the run game as uh, Joel Bognon got a team-high 16 carries but finished only for 39 yards. So, Luis, maybe you should do what Tony did. Come out of retirement and go see the Stallion coaching staff and see if maybe you can get out there to quarterback. Be the first female quarterback to run the AF. AF Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, they're not – the Stallions are one of the – I think the only team in the league that are not running uh, a spread-style offense. And Mm -hmm. so – but Erickson, you know, he's old school. So – I, I think I think they'll tend. I think they'll be successful. We'll see what happens. So you'll be fine. But, you don't want to go in there and rock, rock the boat and says, "Here, I can I can run this thing. Give me a shot." <laughs> well, obviously, everyone else's arms is much stronger, and they got some good athletes there. But uh, I would have I would have a great time just going down there and and uh, throwing to the receivers for a session. That would just be like the funnest thing ever. Um, go ahead and do it. And I'm pretty sure Coach Erickson would would be appreciative if you tell him. <laughs> you know what? I, I, it, I, I, I definitely have the guts to try something like that. Erickson doesn't Why know who not? I am. If it was, if if the like the U of U coaches, University of Utah, they know who I am. The BOU coaches know who I am. And uh, you know, if I had the right connections, I would seriously do it because I've thrown with college kids and stuff like that. So obviously, I just can't throw the ball as far as the guys can, but. When it comes to accuracy, I can compete with that. I'd, I'd have to tell him, hey, I don't want to throw that big old fat football that you guys have, but let's just, you know, slim it down just a tad. Um, sure. But, yeah, oh, man, that would just be, like, way fun. I would I would totally – I mean, I have the guts to do that. It's just a matter of um, – and I have the confidence to go do it. But, um, yeah, and, and right now I'm in Montana, so. But we're moving back. Just it'll take a couple more months. So, anyway, right, I think it's um, good for the state – Luis, what do you think of this Antonio Brown uh, before we get out of here? Uh, I want to be traded and no longer want to be in Steeltown. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of backlash from Steeler fans. They're like, get the hell out of town there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're replacing I you with the, Chester. I was listening to the radio today about that, and they were saying how, how you know, he gets the ball thrown to him over 100 times in a season. You know, you got a great quarterback, and you have – um, you're always, you know, in the hunt for a playoff spot, and that's the team you want to leave. So, you know, he just wants to, I don't know, stuff like that. I just think, okay, whatever. Maybe he wants to go to the Rams. <laughs> yeah, probably kidding. so. He wants to. He's not going to be his own man down there. The guy's got all kinds oh, of talent. Oh no. So maybe, I don't maybe know the what Browns. Will pick I mean, him up. I, I, yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Basically, Terrell Owens, like now. <laughs> just in, yeah. a, in less than a yeah. season. So I don't know about oh, this God. anymore. But anyways, Steeler fans really just said, you know what? Adios. <laughs> That's really what yeah, they're they, saying. They're though. so tired of people demanding stuff over in that town. Sure, of course. They're, they're the blue-collar kind of folk. They're just like, dude. Well, Le- Le'Veon Bell and Bell started <laughs> no. it, and now you got Brown. And it's like, okay, Steeler fans are like, you know what? Wine, wine, get out. Get out of town. You know, so Steeler fans want to say, no, we broke up with you first. We broke up with you it's first. True. You broke up with us. <laughs> but that is true. They don't want to be broken um, up with. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know. It's just It's just kind of a crazy ending for him. You know, he was yeah. going to be probably one of the staple, you know, people that you would talk about, you know, in a sense because of his accolades. But now mm-hmm. it's kind of like a black eye in that sense. I don't know. So we'll see how yeah, that turns out. Um, yeah. It's crazy. But anyways, uh, I'm pretty sure the Rooney family will do the right thing. 
and figure yeah, out a way to get is, some compensation. Too well run. Yeah, they're just too well run, and they just don't. They're just, they're just they have too much history. They have too much. Uh, they're just they just don't pander to stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, yeah, and I exactly. respect that. All right, guys. Um, don't forget, you go to the hub every week, weekly updates uh, as well as daily updates. Check it out, the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Don't forget to go to Twitter at Twitter uh, at Gridiron Beauties. And you can send us messages, comments, anything like that on our uh, Facebook page under the comments box. We'll get to those answers as well. And on Twitter, if you want to send us a tweet or anything like that during the uh, podcast as well, we'll keep eye out for that. So um, while we're uh, talking about that, we are now on Wednesdays, 10 a.m., on Indie Rap Radio, courtesy of Henry G., which is a great supporter of women's football. So you can check out this podcast tomorrow, 10 a.m., at, uh, at Indie Rap Radio. You can search for it on Google, Bing, and everywhere else, Indie, Indie Rap Radio. And you can always uh, replay the podcast on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Listen Notes, Player FM, and right here on Block Talk Radio. So great show. We had Jody uh, Raylander coming in here, talking the pack for the WFA. Talking Vixen 2019. We also talked a little bit of WNFC. And then uh, obviously here with Luis talking AAF for the season. So week two is kind of interesting, Luis, before we get out of here. But that's going to be a great uh, great week. So I'll be watching it. We'll see how it comes out next week for us to talk about. And then hopefully we'll have Holly and Mackenzie back next week as well. Because I know Troy's off for two weeks. But uh, we should have the crew back and kind of dive into that. Okay. All right, so uh, for Louise Bean, uh, Oscar Lopez, and for the absent Holly Custis, uh, Mackenzie Brooks, and Troy Wilson, we'll catch you here next week uh, on the Gridiron Blitz right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Listen Notes, Player Fam, and Block Talk Radio, and catch our uh, replay tomorrow at 10 a.m. on Indie Rap Radio. Have a great night, everybody.